edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast where we got it, we got it, and we, ow, got to report it. Greetings, my name is Junior, a.k.a. Ted Lang. With me, as always, is my main man, my go-to with the no-to, my Clifton Davis, Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you today, sir? I am doing well today and uh, still stoked to be putting this podcast together with you. Excellent. As always, we'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their website and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, we kick off the new year with a complete show. A little something-something for everyone. In state politics, the scandal regarding the political assassination of Angela Rodell reached new levels of intrigue this week with the testimony of board chair Craig Richards. I'll address it, and I'll leave you with three simple words. Follow the money. In local politics, Mayor Dave Bronson's administration is under fire to answer questions about the recent misconduct in his administration. And if that wasn't enough, Bronson is now also facing questions about the relationship between his former homeless coordinator, John Morris, and Sprung, the Utah-based company that was proposed to build Bronson's mega shelter. In life, Maya Nola Partnow kicks off the new year by giving us her thoughts on New Year's resolutions. In entertainment... Given the political environment today we are witnessing, I will suggest a brilliant British political comedy series that's a must-watch. And in closing comments, Governor Dunleavy holds a press conference. And according to his eight-minute diatribe, it's clear that he ain't very happy with this podcast. Uh, to quote the great Harvey Farstein, I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? <laughs> Ah, there it is. There's our ride. So hop in. Let's talk some politics. Politics. And now, for some politics. This week, Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation Board of Trustees Craig Richards sat in front of a packed Senate hearing refusing to answer questions from state lawmakers regarding the controversial firing of Executive Director Angela Rodell. Richard's testimony was arrogant, evasive, and dismissive. In one exchange, Anchorage Representative Ivy Sponholtz asked Richard if he'd had any communication with Dunleavy administration before the firing of Rodell. Richard's response was evasive. Quote, I think I was pretty clear that I'm not going to go into specifics of the interactions, communications, and the decisions that led to Ms. Rodell's firing. Richard responded, I don't think it's appropriate. Ladies and gentlemen, why do you think Craig Richards refused to answer whether he communicated with the governor before the firing of Angela Rodell? Because he did. Public records obtained by Jeff Landfield at the Alaska Landmine show Richards met with Governor Dunleavy just three weeks before Rodell was fired. Craig Richards met with Governor Mike Dunleavy on November 12th, and Angela Rodell was fired on December 9th. But yet we are to believe that Rodell's firing wasn't discussed? 
So if you believe that, then you'd have to believe somewhere between November 12th and December 9th, Richard decided to fire the fund's most successful director in history, while at the same time convincing the governor's commissioners, who report directly to the governor, to support Rodell's termination, all without their boss having any knowledge. Meanwhile, back at the farm, pigs are flying. Look, Craig Richards should be subpoenaed and put under oath. The fact that Richards refused to answer a question when we already knew the answer shows he cannot be trusted to answer questions where answers are still elusive. We are talking about Alaska's $83 billion sovereign wealth fund, and it's clear from Richards' testimony that he is lying to lawmakers about the biggest power grab in the history of the fund. Just listen to Richards' arrogance and dismissiveness. Quote, I am truly shocked that I am here, he said. This is, this is a new one to me, okay? We have an at-will employee that reports to the board who years of documented evidence demonstrates that there were trust problems going both ways. Okay, so let's take a look at Angela Rodell's 296-page personnel file once again. Where exactly is the documented evidence that had been accumulated over the years? Where the hell is that documentation, Mr. Richards? A few anonymously written complaints by trustees, but for all we know, they could have been written by Craig Richards or Lucinda Mahoney. I mean, after all, they certainly couldn't have represented the opinion of the majority of the trustees, or else there would have been some kind of formal action, right? In fact, Richard said that a number of trustees had lost confidence in Rodell. So again, why was there no action or no corrective work planned? Does that also mean that a number of trustees ignored these problems? So if we are to believe Craig Richards, then we'd have to believe that the complaints against Angela Rodell weren't serious enough for the trustees to attempt corrective measures, but that the complaints were serious enough to get her fired. Now... Craig Richards has a fiduciary responsibility. Craig Richards has been on the Permanent Fund Corporation board for six of the last seven years. But during that time, he did nothing to manage the situation? Craig Richards is either lying or he has failed as a trustee. Either way, he should be removed from the board. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, that Rodell was told in the weeks leading up to her firing by certain political insiders that they were coming for her. She was told that she was being targeted by Dunleavy and Richards. Quote, they're coming after you, one person told her. Now, one of the suggested theories for Rodell's firing is that she opposed Governor Dunleavy's proposal to overdraw the permanent fund by $3 billion. However, Richards told lawmakers that Rodell's arguments doesn't make sense because the board passed resolutions in support of the 2018 limit and against overspending. Richards said, quote, I will unequivocally say for me and all the other trustees that I'm aware of that we still support these resolutions, Richards said. However, I'll say it once more, Richards can't be trusted. Not only did Revenue Commissioner Lucinda Mahoney advocate for the $3 billion overdraw while testifying to lawmakers last year, but she also promoted it in public speeches. But also, but also, lo and behold, under Richards and Mahoney, the Permanent Fund Corporation staff has recently been asked to model a $3 billion overdraw. So why, after telling lawmakers that he and the trustees he knew of opposed the $3 billion overdraw, and now they are modeling that same $3 billion overdraw? Because this was always the plan. 
get rid of Angela Rodell to achieve the governor's desire to overdraw the permanent fund by $3 billion. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the source of friction between Rodell and both Richards and Mahoney. While they were saying publicly that they supported the resolutions not to overdraw the fund, at the same time, Rodell was being given verbal cues to push towards the $3 billion overdraw, which she refused to do. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to guarantee you that that's what Dunleavy and Richards discussed in their November 12th meeting, because three weeks later, Angela Rodell was fired without notice. I would not trust Craig Richards to manage a lemonade stand, let alone Alaska's $83 billion nest egg. His testimony this week was as dishonest as the day is long. He had the gall to accuse Rodell of poor leadership, but can't show at any time. During his last six years, in his fiduciary responsibility as a trustee, that he attempted to correct her leadership. Craig Richards has been a trustee for six of the last seven years, yet there is nothing to suggest he was worried about her performance during those years. But suddenly, he fires Rodell abruptly just as he becomes the board chair. And then, Dunleavy's commissioner, who handled Rodell's rigged performance review, becomes the vice chair. Ladies and gentlemen, this is so much deeper than Angela Rodell. This is about controlling the money and the power of Alaska's $83 billion permanent fund. And it's just not me. Former Governor Frank Murkowski, writing in an op-ed last week, asked, Is the permanent fund at risk? Murkowski stated his growing concerns over the firing Rodell and the Board of Trustees changing the nature of the permanent fund investment strategies. Ladies and gentlemen, lawmakers need to issue subpoenas for Craig Richards, Lucinda Mahoney, and the remaining trustees. The problem for Board Chair Craig Richards is too many people with loose lips know about this plan. The problem for Governor Mike Dunleavy is too many people realize that this could not have happened without his blessing. And if looking at Governor Dunleavy's press conference and Craig Richards' testimony this week, they are as nervous as long-tailed cats in a room full of rocking chairs. At first, they thought this would be a one-day story and they'd get away with it. And when that didn't happen, they propped up Craig Richards, who tried to obfuscate and bully lawmakers into moving on. Craig Richards is right, though. It's time to move on. It's time to move on to subpoenas for Craig Richards. Ladies and gentlemen, many of you have seen the movie Watergate. So I will leave you with the three most important words from that entire film. Follow the money. In local politics, the Anchorage Assembly is demanding answers from the Bronson administration about the mayor's interference with the public water supply and his meddling in the Anchorage Police Department. The Assembly has a work session scheduled for January 21st to discuss Bronson's tampering with the public water supply. In addition, they have asked for specific answers to questions regarding the Anchorage Police Department that are due by February 1st. Members say that if Bronson administration, who has a long track record of obscuring the truth, is not forthcoming with answers, the Assembly will consider issuing subpoenas. And to be honest, considering subpoenas might become a regular trend between the Assembly and the Bronson administration. A few months ago, we raised questions on this podcast about Mayor Bronson's former homeless director, John Morris, and his involvement with Sprung, the company that designed the mega shelter advocated by Morris and Bronson. As we reported this past fall, something seemed really odd about the entire process, and we began to wonder if there were some potential conflicts of interest. As you'll remember, Morris reportedly had paid for the initial design of the shelter and Sprung appeared to be poised to be shoehorned into the project at the expense of local taxpayers. On that topic, 
Our friend Jeff Landfield at the Alaska Landmine reports that the Bronson administration has failed for three months to respond to public records requests for emails regarding John Morrison Sprung. Landfield filed his request on October 27th, and as of today, it has gone unanswered. For an administration that has been founded on cronyism, mistruths, and mismanagement, the failure to provide these public documents is just an ongoing sign of the lack of transparency embraced by the Bronson administration. And finally, the eighth floor of City Hall is convinced that their offices are being bugged. Frustrated that inside information and their plans are being leaked to the public, city manager Amy Domboski and company are so positive they are being bugged, they actually reached out to the Department of Public Safety to ask about debugging equipment. Look, nobody has bugged City Hall. This is just pure paranoia and surrounded by people who can't help but talk. If you want people to stop hearing your secret plans and really how incompetent you are at City Hall, look, you don't have to sweep City Hall for listening devices. You just need to teach people like Terrence Shanigan to use the mute button on Zoom calls. And oh, by the way, hey, just ignore that Roomba with a microphone taped to it. It's nothing. It's just cleaning the floors. And now, let's talk about life. In life, Maya Nolan Partnow joins us to give us her thoughts on New Year's resolutions. It's January 20th. Do you know where your New Year's resolutions are? If your answer is anything other than, mm, not since January 4th, congratulations. You are an outlier and possibly a robot. Look, we're all adults here, or at least very precocious and engaged teenagers, in which case, keep it up, you are the future. Either way, we can be honest with one another. We were never going to keep those resolutions as perfectly as we thought we were back on January 1st. No matter how enthusiastic we were about getting up at 5 a.m. every day to do P90X or taking our fiber supplements religiously or practicing Italian every evening, the odds were never in our favor. There's no magic switch to flip that uploads new habits into us magically overnight. If you want evidence, just look at the calendar, which shows us heading into year three of a pandemic that we were going to fix back in March 2020 by all of us suddenly and collectively changing everything about our lives overnight. I know Self Magazine and Lululemon and Instagram influencers want us to think that the calendar flipping over to a new year is going to help us miraculously reset and become healthier, happier, more organized, more sophisticated, more empathetic, better dressed, kinder, smarter, cooler, funner, thinner, stronger, and more financially responsible than we were last month. There's a good reason for that. January sucks. It's dark. It's cold. The celebrations are over. And that is not an appealing marketing message. Listen up, sheeple, because I'm telling it like it is. New Year's resolutions are a lie invented by Big Planner to sell more mindfulness checklists. Or Big Lycra to sell more yoga pants. Or Big Kale to, you know, whatever. You understand what I'm saying. New Year, new you, that's not reality. You know why? Because you're a human being who has responsibilities and obligations and stuff to do and gets headaches and has hard mornings and sometimes needs to sit on the couch eating barbecue potato chips and watching Lego building videos on YouTube with your preschooler because that's the best you can do today. And there is no shame in that. And yes, at this point, I am saying this as much for my own reassurance as for yours because that is absolutely how I spent my Wednesday. 
And I'm sure there are a few of you out there right now who are going, please, what's the big deal? I made 17 New Year's resolutions and I have kept them all perfectly in an unbroken streak. And to you, I say, congratulations, Meredith. Well done. Love that journey for you. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Look, despite the allure of blank calendar pages and fresh starts and the intoxicating potential for perfection, there's nothing magical about January. But even if New Year, New You is a lie, that doesn't mean we can't try to be smarter or kinder or healthier or whatever it is we hoped we would be in 2022. If you only practice Italian once this month, well, that's once more than none. And your 30-day yoga journey videos will still be there if you don't get around until starting them until March. And if you miss a few days and need to restart a few times. January 1st didn't miraculously turn you into an idealized version of yourself. That's life. If we want to be better, we just get up every day and keep trying to do it a little at a time. Although you really should remember to take your fiber. Colorectal cancers are almost 100% avoidable through adequate fiber intake. Happy New Year! And now, entertainment. In entertainment, boy, has this been quite a few last weeks in Alaska politics. And if you are listening to the sound of my voice, you obviously love political insight. So today's entertainment segment is going to make a recommendation for political junkies. The show is called The Thick of It. The show is a British comedy television series that satires the inner workings of the British government. It highlights the struggles and conflicts between politicians, party spin doctors, advisors, civil servants, and the media. It originally ran from 2005 to 2012 on BBC, but you can catch it today on Amazon Prime. Once again, the show is called The Thick of It. If you like politics, I'm telling you, you will love this show. In closing comments, Governor Dunleavy held a press conference this week complaining about the Anchorage Daily News and, in particular, complaining about the Anchorage Daily News hosting our podcast. Let me summarize. The governor of the great state of Alaska, the most powerful man in Alaska, is threatened by Van and myself. Now, this is something for a governor who has his own podcast paid for by taxpayers and a governor that has become the first governor in history to use public dollars to pimp his political initiatives, including a $250,000 contract with political cronies who, oh, by the way, also host radio talk shows, which gave Dunleavy free public airwaves to campaign on. But you know what's really something? Over the last week, the governor and his communications staff have been paid their state salary while criticizing our podcast. That means the governor and his communication staff have made more money complaining about this podcast than Van and I have made producing this podcast. I mean, okay, all right, let's get serious, bringing it back. There is a reason why Governor Dunleavy spent his first press conference of the new year trying to distract away from his administration's failings. Let's just take a snapshot of the Dunleavy administration right now in real time. First, his budget is a fantasy based on one-time federal money, which will create $500 million deficits for the next 10 years. He's currently being sued by University of Alaska students after he illegally eliminated their college scholarships. 
and his administration is facing its biggest scandal yet after he orchestrated the firing of Angela Rodell and is now lying to the public about his involvement. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Republican incumbent governor in a red state he won by eight points just three years ago, and now he's bitching about the press instead of talking about his legacy. But more than likely, Dunleavy's anger at this podcast and the Anchorage Daily News might be because we are highlighting his morally bankrupt character at a time he is shopping for a running mate. Weeks ago, Lieutenant Governor Kevin Meyer announced that he would not seek re-election, and of course, with ranked choice voting now in place, Dunleavy gets to pick his own running mate. And the word is, he's looking for a woman to be his running mate. But seriously, what self-respecting woman would run with a governor whose treatment of women has been scandalous? That's why Dunleavy gets angry when the press in this podcast ask why he attempted to cover up that a single mother of two was being sexually harassed by his disgraced former Attorney General Kevin Creepy Clarkson. That's why Dunleavy gets angry that the press and this podcast are asking questions about his firing of the most successful woman to ever manage the Permanent Fund Corporation. Listen, he covered up sexual harassment of a single mother of two, and he just orchestrated the firing of a successful woman who told him no. His treatment of women the last three years has been nothing less than deplorable. Again, what self-respecting woman would ever agree to run with a guy who clearly doesn't respect women? But Dunleavy's troubles are just beginning. In the coming weeks, this entire Angela Rodell story will begin to unravel for the governor because once you tell a lie, you have to keep on lying. Pressure will mount, people will talk, and it's just a matter of time. In my earlier comments, I mentioned the movie Watergate. So please, allow me to remind Governor Mike Dunleavy, Board Chair Craig Richards, and Commissioner Lucinda Mahoney of a valuable political lesson learned during that scandal. The cover-up is always worse than the crime. And there is the closing music, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. Our time is up. Please subscribe to our podcast. We drop every Thursday. Van, how about throwing us your website details? Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, you can reach out to me with the contact form at the bottom or check out some links to work that I've done for others. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is our time, and we thank you for yours.